Hello everyone, happy Thursday and welcome to the Gumpcast. I am your host, Caleb Ward, and I am joined via the internet by my co-host, Wyatt Bolton. We are so happy to have you all here listening, and let's get right into the show. Every episode, we will try to have at least one guest on the show, and this week, we are joined by Riley O'Brien. Happy to be here. All right, gentlemen, let's talk Tom Brady. Ugh. He finds a team, and for some reason, they're like his kryptonite. He can't beat them, or he struggles. I mean, like, this year, he got swept by the Saints, and the Saints don't even have a QB, and he got shut out for the first time since 2006. Like, help me understand. I mean, if anyone's going to have a kryptonite, poor old Tom Brady that's, you know, can't catch a break is, you know, the most surprising quarterback ever because I thought he could do no wrong. Well, apparently he can because uh, I – how many picks did he throw? Uh, I think three. Three? I believe it was two. Two? Enough to make me happy. Two picks, no points. I mean, it's just – that was a terrible game. All around. I mean, granted, granted, he granted he was missing all of his weapons. Like basically, all of them were out. So, yeah. but well, but still, I thought I mean, he could turn Walmart employees into Hall of Fame receivers. Yeah, I know Tom Brady being carried by the players around him. I've never heard that one. I mean, I mean, yeah, like, well, I do mean, you he, think it's a systemic thing? Is it? X's and O's? Is it mental? Like, I mean, I, I I know Tom Brady from my time with the AFC East, but I've honestly never, well, I say never, I haven't really seen him truly struggle. Like, obviously, you know, the killer mentality of Tom Brady of, you know, you give him too much time on the clock, he's going to go down, get the game winning drive, maybe get a couple phantom PI calls or something like that to help him down the field. But, you know, his reputation is Mr. Clutch, kind of, you know, I'm going to win this game. And I will agree, it is very strange to see him struggling. I mean, I know Godwin went out, Evans went out. Gronk being Gronk as he is now isn't necessarily target number one on the field. But it's interesting, a team like the Saints just dominating him this year. I mean, I I don't know if y'all have any thoughts about it, but I just – Having firsthand watched him, it's just strange to see him struggle like this. Yeah, I mean, obviously the first loss to the Saints was a shocker because, yeah. I mean, he had he had his weapons then, and they still lost. I mean, granted, that one was more of a contest than this weekend's game was, but, yeah. I mean, the Saints, people have been dogging the Saints all, all season, but the Saints' defense is, I mean – regardless of how terrible the offense is their defense is like at least top three in the league they are nasty and when you're missing pretty much every off like every offensive weapon that you have basically you're pulling from the bench you're pulling you know you're you're playing second and third string guys that don't and it's not like they had a week to prepare those guys you know in advance godwin and Evans went out during the game. So, you know, they were taking those first team reps all week and then they went out and then you're just throwing guys into the game that really didn't get, you know, those first team reps. So they don't have, you know, they're not on the same level game plan wise as the guys that did get those reps in practice. And then, you know, you're, you're a step 
you're a step behind just off that, not even counting the fact that they're not first string. Obviously, they're not first string guys. But I mean, if Twitter has taught us anything, you know, an elite quarterback raises the play of those around him. So, you know, that should be no excuse for the great Tom Brady, right? Well, I mean, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even, I didn't really get to watch the game. I mean, I, I like, either. I was like kind of paying attention to it, but I was like, like I was watching others. Yeah, I, I was watching Red Zone, <laughs> so it's kind of hard to like get a gauge on how the game, how the flow of the game is going with Red Zone because it's so jumpy. But well, you know, they got shut out, so they weren't really in the Red Zone either. Yeah, that's true. They didn't <laughs> show a lot of the game. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like he he had the he had the thing with the Giants, you know, where Eli, you know, every time he met Eli in the postseason, you know, he struggled. I wouldn't say he struggled, but you know It was definitely his Achilles heel, if nothing else. I mean, we're talking eight rings for Brady without the Giants. So, yeah. No. Eight rings. Yeah. Without the ring. NFC East with the Eagles would make nine. That was it. It was Eli and Nick Foles that beat him. That yeah. was because that was my favorite stat before uh he goes uh, on a playoff was, stretch, you know, last year of beating Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. And yet if you roll out Eli Manning and Nick Foles, dude is <laughs> kryptonite. Yeah, I mean I, I know a thing or two about, you know, Tom Brady's kryptonite being a Miami fan because, you know, my all-time favorite stat is that in his career, Tom Brady is 24-12 and 12 versus the Dolphins. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot. That is the most losses to any single team that he has. And that being said, you want to talk about Tom Brady's kryptonite, throw him into Hard Rock Stadium, Miami, that Miami heat, the sun. Granted, it may have changed now that he's, you know, Tampa Bay, but – he is overall a grand total of eight and ten when playing in, in Miami. So of his twelve losses that he has overall in the last twenty something odd years to the Dolphins, ten of them have been on the road in Hard Rock Stadium. Speaking of Dolphins, you know, while we're here, my favorite team in the league, let's talk about this six game win streak. Dude. They're hot. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. Yeah, I, have, I love watching it. I had the Dolphins tagged as like they were going to give they were going to get Jalen Hurts a top tier weapon in uh, Traylon Burks or something like that at the start of the season. And now Jalen's probably on the phone with Tua telling him, "Hey, calm down a little bit. I'd yeah, like to get a yeah. good draft pick out of you here." Yeah, I was about to say, I was looking at the uh, Tankathon website earlier today, and I believe at the moment we still have the weakest strength of record. So it's still a number 11 pick for the Eagles right now. So still not, you know, terrible, but hopefully we make that pick a little bit worse over the next few weeks. Which, so I mean, that's going to the Eagles and not, you know, the Chiefs or something like that. True. That being said, I need the Niners to suck a little bit more because, man, I would sleep a lot better if they lost a few more games. Let's 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 review the Dolphins season up till now. I mean, they 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 beat the Patriots by one point in week one. Obviously, Max first game of his pro career against the Brian Flores defense against a Brian Flores defense that was fully healthy at the time. 
you yes. know, and then they they went on a losing tangent to basically everyone in the league, including the Jacksonville Jaguars. They hey, lost. Hey, the Jacksonville their, Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills too. So, I mean, exactly. Well, their last loss was to hey. the Bills, and then they turned it around. They beat the Texans, then they beat the Ravens, then the Jets, then the Panthers, then the Giants, and then the Jets again, and now. They are on to the Saints at, in New Orleans to yeah. try and punch their name in to maybe a playoff contention. Yeah, I was about to say, I've seen statistics that say that if the Dolphins win out, which it is not, not an easy route. I mean, like you said, we have the Saints on Monday Night Football two days after Christmas. Then we play at Tennessee, which is potentially Derrick henry list, which – as we've seen, we're very familiar with Ryan Tannehill. You know, that's a winnable game. With Derrick Henry, I'm a little more scared. I still think it is winnable, you know, less so, but that not game a bad could have game. No, that game could have no Derrick Henry, no Julio Jones. And I'm still worried just with how hit or miss our offense has been. And then we end the season at home against New England. Now, I will have to say, going back to your what I kind of interrupted you on earlier about that week one win against the Patriots, that could be huge because that could be the difference between playoffs and not playoffs at this point, which God love him. I love Damian Harris, but thank God he fumbled that ball inside the 20-yard line in that game because otherwise we may not be in playoff contention right now. Another interesting parallel that I've seen come up between that game and the most recent game against uh, the Jets was that in both games, Tua, our boy Tua, actually audibled into the game-winning play. He did it in week one against the Patriots, and he I've, it's come out, I believe, actually, is mic'd up. Uh, he was mic'd up for the game this week against the Jets. And that's coming out tonight at some point. It came out 45 minutes ago. It dropped at 6 o'clock. There Eastern. you go. But... Uh, it actually has come out just through little clips and teasers that Tua actually audibled into the slant route to Devontae Parker to win the game on Sunday against the Jets, which it's kind of one of those, you know, for all the flack that Tua has caught, whether it's he's a one-read quarterback, he can't throw the deep ball, he can't do X, Y, Z, you want an NFL quarterback to do, he's consistently showing over and over that he can do all these things, all the way to the point where he's audibling receivers into routes to score touchdowns whether i mean it was a six yard eight yard whatever it was slant but it still doesn't matter he's still recognizing the defense and calling these audibles to plays that work and as a dolphins fan granted i am a bit biased you know being a big bama homer it's kind of refreshing to see this level of quarterback play even though he's only a second year guy and I say second year loosely, only playing, what is it, 18 games, I believe, right now, just over a full season. It's I think, like, last week was officially, like, he's played a full season. Yeah, and I believe his stats were something like 3,500 yards, 20-something touchdowns, and 11 total turnovers, or something like that. It was kind of one of those, like, just being on all in Dolphins Twitter and seeing everything, they're like, "Do you for all the again all the shit to it takes? Do you realize how many NFL franchises would chew off their left leg to have that kind of production out of their quarterback? To go seventy percent completion for thirty five hundred yards and 
20 odd touchdowns with roughly uh, basically roughly a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Over the course of a season, I would like over the course of a full first season, I would say that's probably one of the best set of numbers I've seen for a rookie quarterback. Yeah. I saw a stat. It was Tua's completion percentage is the, I think, believe, I think it was, you know, the lucky number 69.9 was nice. the highest. Yeah. Uh, obligatory nice was the highest for any quarterback in their first seven or their first full season with a minimum of 500 attempts of anybody since 1950 i mean that's that's just the thing though like his stats uh, in hindsight when you look at his stats they're great but at the time like he was doing all this stuff, but they were still losing games. And yeah. it was because I wouldn't say it was because he was turning the ball over in key situations, but that definitely, you know, was a factor was he was throwing picks at kind of bad times. But I mean, he's, it was, it's his, he's a rookie. Like this is his second season yeah. and this is really his first full season, you know, as cause last year was COVID he didn't have, and Ryan you know, Fitzpatrick. yeah, he didn't have any like preseason games. He didn't have any like off season. He didn't have any like mm-hmm. preseason camp, nothing like that. He goes straight, just gets thrown straight into an NFL season, fresh off of a brutal hip injury. That's like one, like one of the hardest injuries to recover from as an mm-hmm. athlete. And people are like, I mean, when you're when you're hyped up like Tua, obviously there's expectations and people have expectations. But it's the NFL. And obviously, like even the greatest of all time have bad games. They have bad stretches. Like even Aaron Rodgers has has had like bad years where he didn't play as good as he normally yeah. does. And you know, for people to expect a rookie QB fresh out of college with no preseason or offseason like camp practice or anything like that to just jump straight into arguably the toughest professional league in sports yeah and to to succeed like at the level that he's expected to is just insane it makes zero sense and (laughs) i think i think it stems from the whole you know for me personally i think it, it it stems from patrick mahomes and whenever yep. he came into the league, like obviously he didn't play like the f- the first season he was in the league until the last the second to last game of the season or the last game of the season when uh, Alex Smith went out and he mm-hmm. got thrown into the game. But he came into the game and he was like red hot and he mm-hmm. like he was playing lights out. And then he obviously the next year, you know, they have the season that they have, and yep. I think that that just set a precedent on what people are expecting rookie QBs to be when they're drafted at a, at a high point, they think that they're just going to mm-hmm. come in and they're going to play at the same level as, you know, a veteran QB that's been in the league for 10 years. And that's just not the case. Like they're, they're playing against talent that they have never played against before. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what conference you come from in college, TC, you know, big 10, you there's, it's a leap. Not a jump. Yeah, it's it's a huge yeah. leap. Like 
in in college, you have maybe two or three guys on each side of the ball that are NFL level, maybe like, and that's that's talking well, about the premier yeah. programs in college. I'm not even talking about regular college teams like so Ohio let's talk State, about Alabama. I mean, we're we're talking five to six. You know, let's. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously <laughs> Alabama is the standard. Yeah, because they're. Yeah. I mean, they're just a factory at this point. But yeah. like the average college team has maybe two to three pro level guys on on the team and they might not even be pro level at that time like they just have the potential to be pro level they just need to get to the next level so that pro call like pro coaches can develop them into you know their full potential but like people just automatically just think that there's a a direct correlation between college and the the nfl and there's not it's such it's it's there's such a difference it's not even funny. Like, I'm sorry, but Alabama would not. I mean, I don't think Alabama would beat any pro team, in my no, opinion. Never. They may be able to keep it within three within three scores on the Jaguars. Maybe three scores on the Jaguars. I just, I mean, there's clear. I mean, there's clearly a difference between the two, and pe- just people's expectations are way too high on college athletes coming into the league their first year, especially quarterbacks on, you know, because like the difference between a college defense, like a base college defense and a base NFL defense is like night and day. Yeah. Like it's not even close. And, you know, you'll have, you obviously you have the outliers like Patrick Mahomes that are just naturally, they just have it. They have it, and yep, you know they're gonna they're gonna be great no matter what. And uh, yeah, it depends on the king situation. Jump, and we're expecting every college player to come out and be the greatest at their position ever. Like it's ridiculous expectations. Uh, So to kind of circle back though, um, to. Caleb's earlier point about how Patrick Mahomes kind of ruined the league. I would say it's a combo of Patrick Mahomes over exceeding his expectation. I mean, he was taking what 15th overall and still, you know, living up to, if not exceeding the hype being, you know, the $550 million man, but he was taken at 15 overall. And I didn't even know who he was. No, yeah, I I, I was the same way. They said Patrick um, Mahomes. And I said, who? Yeah. (laughs) Literally, uh, like I don't like unless you were from Texas, or were a Texas Tech fan, or a team that had played Texas Tech, you know, any time in the past two years. No, I don't feel. I feel like nobody knew who that guy was. Like they're like, who the fuck is Patrick Mahomes? And now yeah. he's he's top five QB in the league. But yeah, I mean, I just. I feel like the league is has such a ridiculous expectation for rookie QBs at this point that no one can really realistically live up to it. It's just, can you survive long enough to develop and, you know, basically make it to your second contract at this point? Well, since we're talking about developing QBs, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. I have one question. Did they peak too early? I'm going to say yes. Say Wyatt may disagree. I'm gonna say yes. I'm also gonna say yes. I think they they came out the gate 
hot as all hot. Yeah, hotter than a spoon in a trap house on payday. Hotter in a Georgia asphalt in August. Exactly. And I mean they were they were firing on all cylinders. They looked like they were not gonna be stopped. You know, Arizona was yeah, the NFC team to beat. Team. The team to beat. And then all of a sudden Green Bay comes rolling into town with their practice squad of wide receivers <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. And why well, well, I sound a little less excited when you say that. <laughs> I'm just saying we talked about you know the greatest quarterbacks elevating the play of their their guys around them. Rodgers was missing his top like three receivers to entering the game, and he lost his number one receiver midway through that game. Yep, and somehow the Ball. the bad man. The bad man said, I can do it. I'm here. You got Aaron Rodgers? That's easy. We got this. And the Cardinals have Patrick. (laughs) The Cardinals have not been have not been anything since. No. Well, I mean, they have lost JJ Watt. Which okay. I got before that game. But that signing we all knew J.J. Watt was going to get hurt and miss games this year, right? I'm not alone in that thinking. Like, as soon as I saw that signing, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, him and Chandler Jones are going to be dangerous. But, like, J.J. Watt's going to miss significant time. Like, yeah, I picked him, I picked their defense up in fantasy because of those two. And uh, here I am at about roughly 500 in all three of my leagues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like you said, J.J. Watt getting hurt and all their injuries they've had has been devastating. I think what really derailed them was Kyler and D-Hop going out at the same time for so long. Which I will say D-Hop going out was one of the bigger surprises. They didn't even – I mean, that didn't even hurt them, really. I mean, they were still winning games. They won games with Colt McCoy. Like, they were f- they were fine, honestly, while, you know, Kyler was out. And then he came back, and then it's just like – like, they dropped two eggs in a row, oh. and it's – Man, I don't know. I say I, and, I didn't even realize. I mean, I knew it was a rough stretch, but looking at their schedule since the loss to Green Bay in prime time, they've beaten the pack. Niners 31-17. Yeah, go pack. They have lost to the Panthers 34 to 10. Which I mean, granted, Colt McCoy was starting that game, so you know, we'll hold some judgment. But I mean, it's still the Panthers. Seahawks 23 to 13. They beat with Colt McCoy as a the quarterback. Then, Kyler, then they have their bye week. Then Kyler Murray comes back, and they beat the Bears 33-22, to which, wah, wah, it's the Bears. Then they lose to the Rams 30-23, to which is a huge divisional game. I mean, the Rams look like the truth between, you know, Aaron Donald adding Von Miller, like all that. They look legit if Stafford stays on his game. And then, Until they played Green Bay. I say, and then this week's whatever the hell it was, Caleb alluded to the loss to the Lions, thirty to twelve. I was about to say, didn't just lose to the Lions, lost bad to the Lions. Yeah, it no, was embarrassing. I, 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 I didn't get to watch the game, but please, please tell me those twelve points were four field goals. Please tell me that's what it was. Uh, I honestly I don't, don't remember. Was. Let me. Look. I had a busy Sunday afternoon, so I don't remember. No, Kyler had a touchdown. No, it wasn't. Okay. That makes it a little bit better. Yeah, Kyler Murray, 23 for 41, 257 yards. One touchdown, one interception. 
But uh, yeah, I mean the, I mean that's an all-time egg by the Cardinals, though. I mean you are ten and three playing the one in one in eleven and one Lions. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't even know. I like I I watched some of the game and I literally could not understand what was wrong. Like I couldn't figure out like why they couldn't. Major props to Detroit on that because I mean they were oh whatever and one and it was like well they I mean, they were they were thirteen point dogs at home. That's bad. You get three points just for being at home. Yeah, they which means they should have been like a dogs. sixteen point underdog. Dude, imagine if you bet on the Lions. Oh my God. I want to find whoever did that. If someone did, I doubt anyone did. No, I, I'm sure. I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. There's some rich dude that's been throwing money on the Lions every game this season for them to cover the spread yeah. or to win a game, and just hope that they do it and pull it off. Because obviously, the odds he's gonna, you know, quadruple or whatever his money, and he just hit the jackpot this week. He broke yeah. even on that one game. He's done with gambling. Yeah. Literally, he made all he made back all of his money that he's lost this entire season betting on the Lions. I say, just, hey, just looking at the talking points, though, Colts beat the Pats at home. I feel like Colts are low-key kind of sneaky this year. I agree. I mean... I mean, I say that as a team who has lost to the Colts. However... I feel like the sum of their parts, the Colts are not as bad as their record indicates. If if they had somebody other than Carson Wentz at quarterback this season, I would be worried about the Colts coming out of the AFC. But conversely, they have Carson I Wentz disagree. At quarterback. I disagree. It's my hot take. I will disagree. I think Carson Wentz is the perfect quarterback for them simply because of how hit or miss their defense is. Their O-line is stacked. Their O-line is flawless. I wish I had that O-line in Miami. However... You've not seen how hit or miss Carson Wentz is? Yes, but that being said, it feels like so far the misses that Carson Wentz has had, their defense has also been off too. Like... I feel like they they somehow work in harmony, and it's working. Like, okay, like, you guys are gonna suck this game. I'm also gonna suck this game. We'll just drop it and cut our losses and move on next week. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Their loss to the Seahawks. I'm, I'm just gonna go through their schedule. They lost to the Seahawks by 12. Rams. They lost by three. That's a respectable loss. Then they lost to yeah. the Titans by nine, but granted, that was week three. So, I mean... That was with Derrick Henry. And Julio and AJ. So that's, yes. again, a respectable loss by nine points. They beat the Dolphins. Granted, this is week four Dolphins. I'm going to... They won by ten. We had Jacoby Brissett starting. I was going to say, that's no Tua. I say, that's the infamous game where Will Fuller broke his finger, which he is now sidelined for the rest of the season, which... Quote-unquote broke his finger. He's just mad yeah, Redacted he, didn't come to Miami. He is very mad Redacted did not come to Miami. But uh, to keep moving, they lost to the Ravens by six in overtime. 
They beat the Colt. They beat the Texans by twenty-eight. They lost. They beat the Niners by twelve. They lost to the Titans again by three in overtime. They beat the Jags by six. They lost. They beat the Bills forty-one to fifteen. They lost to the Bucks by seven. They, they beat won the that Texans game. by yeah. They beat the Buck or the Texans by thirty-one. They beat the Patriots by ten this week. I mean, like I said, if you look at their record, it like there hasn't been any games where they've been blown out. So like they've been very competitive in all of their losses, which leads me to I mean, granted, I haven't watched them. I don't know if you know Carson Wentz throws his typical backbreaking pick every game, but it feels like the Colts are legit. Somewhat. I agree. I think they're legit. Uh, they should be nine and five. They should have won that game versus the Bucks, but yeah. I blame that game on coaching because they didn't run the ball when they should have. They yep. decided they wanted I mean, they to try to MVP keep passing the ball when they had. Yeah, like you have the yeah you oh. have the second best running back in the league behind Derrick Henry, yeah. and you're just like you know what we're just gonna let Carson Wentz yeah. who. Has Carson a tendency to, out of this. yeah, to throw stupid passes. You know, they they lost that game. Bad, it was bad, bad play calling, bad coaching. Yeah, should be nine and five, Eric but Henry, I agree. Uh, I agree. I think the Colts are a dark horse. I think that they are way better than they let on. Um, I think they, I mean, they had, they had the potential to win out the rest of the season. I mean, if they beat, they're going yeah. to Arizona this week, that's going to be a tough game. Cause obviously Arizona is going to be on the comeback. They're going to be pissed off cause they lost to Detroit, you know, an embarrassing loss. That's going to yeah. be a hard fought battle. And then you they have the bigger team once you lose to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> they have the Raiders at home. They have the Raiders at home, which, I mean, that's such a... The Raiders are just like, you never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to get from the Raiders. You're either yeah. going to get, like, extremely good Derek Carr, and, you know, he's going to carve you up, well, or... No, no, no. Let, let's not talk about even Derek Carr. Let's talk about Darren Waller. If Darren Waller plays, the, the Raiders are never out of the game. That's true, but uh, how many games has he missed so far? Like, in, uh, in a row? three or I think four. three. Yeah. And they're still, I mean, what, how, they haven't even lost, let's see, since Darren Waller's been out, I can't remember when he went out, I can't remember if he was, they just beat the Browns, they lost to the Chiefs the week before, and they lost to Washington, and then they they beat the Cowboys the three weeks ago. So, always happy to see them lose. Yeah, always happy to watch. I feel like that's the one thing. It's funny. They joke that Cowboys are America's team and that America likes to watch the Cowboys lose. Every, 31 other franchises cheer when the Cowboys lose. No matter how good their record is, no matter how good they are on the season, 31 other franchises cheer every time the Cowboys lose. Oh, I was going to say, looking at records, let's say the Colts somehow win out. You have an eleven and six Colts team in the AFC vying. I mean, they're in the playoffs right now. The AFC playoff picture is looking very, very interesting. So, I mean, any, 
Indy's the five seed in the AFC right now. If they win out, let's see. Uh, we've got Kansas City as a one seed, New England as yep. a two, Tennessee at three, Cincinnati at four, Indy at five. Which, Cincy Chargers at four is six. surprising. I don't think they hold that. I really don't. No, I don't think I don't think Cincy or Tennessee holds their the three and four seed. Um, Ravens are going to be interesting. I think Cincy holds that four. Really? I mm. think the Ravens. The Ravens are decimated by injuries and COVID. And Cincy. I mean, Joe Burrow had a quote today. He said, "Thankfully, there's not much to do in Cincinnati, so you know we're not out there catching COVID." I mean, to be fair, their last three games are, I believe, at home against the Ravens, at home against the Chiefs, and then on the road against the Browns. That's not the easiest. I think they do, too. However, if, let me say, let's go back to the AFC playoff picture. The Dolphins win out. We're sitting at 10-7, and and we have wins over the Ravens. We have a loss to the Raiders, two losses to the Bills. I mean, two wins. I don't even know why the Jets are even in this picture. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ravens are a bubble team. I feel like Bills are solidly in simply because they have – I can't remember if it's one or two wins over the Patriots. I believe it's only one. Um. I don't know. I feel like the AFC playoff picture is about to get very, very interesting. With when you have, as it sits right now, Bengals at eight and six, Colts at eight and six, Chargers at eight and six, Bills at eight and six, Ravens at eight and six, Steelers at seven and six, Raiders at seven and seven, and Dolphins at seven and seven. Then you got Browns and Broncos at seven and seven as well. Yeah, it's so hard. I think I think the bill. I think the Bills. The Bills are safe. The only yes. the only game they have a chance of losing is this coming up week at the Patriots. They might yep. lose that game, but then they have they the Falcons and the they have the Falcons and the Jets at home. Like they're not yep. losing those games. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only hope the Falcons have in that game is if Julio Jones is cut from the Titans. Remembers 2015, signs back at the Falcons. <laughs> Alvin Ridley has his mental health issues figured out and comes back. And, and it's like Avengers. You know, Tony Gonzalez comes out of retirement. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I could see, I could see Indy jumping up and maybe taking, maybe jumping up to maybe the third seed by the end of the season. Because I don't really see them losing another game, if we're being honest. But let's transition over to some bowl games before the New Year's Six games. Uh, we got we got some good matchups. Um, the first one I want to I would like to talk about would be Oregon versus Oklahoma. I thought this was one of the better bowl matchups overall, just out of any of the bowl games, even Jeez. with. Kayvon Thibodeau opting out. Which, I mean, that's not that surprising at this point. I will say my my first reaction to seeing that bowl game matchup is, damn, I wish this was like 2014. Otherwise, this bowl game would be absolutely lit. But, I mean, I still think it's a good matchup. I 
Oregon's offense is Oregon's offense, but the big thing to remember is, is Mario Cristobal coaching the ball game? I never heard. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think he is. I think he's already in full swing at Miami. Which, yeah, I don't think. But I still think it's a good matchup, especially, I mean, Oregon's defense isn't terrible. Um, They have a good offense. Oklahoma's defense is obviously Oklahoma's defense. They're always the same way every year. But their offense is actually, I mean, this is one of their more hit or miss offenses that they've had in the past five or six years, honestly, even though Caleb Williams is playing, you know, insane for a freshman. I still think that, uh, I think it's a good matchup. I think, I mean, Oregon's favored by four and a half or not. Oh, I fucked that up. Oklahoma is Oklahoma's favored by four and a half. But bro, I'm looking at that over under. Did you see that over under for that game? No, I haven't seen it. 60 and a half. Good grief. I mean, that's not really surprising. It's not, but I mean, it's not that often you see an over-under that high. I agree on your Caleb Williams take. I personally think Oregon doesn't have much defense outside of Thibodeau. I think Thibodeau provided most of their pass rush for most of the season. And at this point, I mean, I definitely don't think it's bad. Is it bad I think I'd take the over on that game? Let's see. Where are you? I mean, I, mean, I, would, I, I would take no idea. I have no <laughs> idea who Oklahoma's roster is at this point after they had everyone dip out through the transfer portal. But I mean, I mean, looking at ESPN, their top receiver right now is 30, 30 receptions, six hundred and fifty yards, four touchdowns. It's not. A, I feel. I feel, I feel like that's, that's, that's just a recipe. That's just a recipe for taking the over because. You're no, missing no, see, like half your starters, so I just feel like there's just going to be mass chaos because no, you don't see, have film where, on anybody. That's this is I'm where thinking. I slam the under, and I think we're going to see like twenty four thirteen. Like we're going to see something stupid happen in this game. I mean, it is college I mean, football, so that is a very like it's it's a poss it's a possibility. I I think well, the other thing to remember is that it is four days after Christmas. Yeah, you get your bowl prep, you get all your practice in, but how much are you really getting in, like December, say, 23rd through the 26th? Probably not much. Probably not a ton. I know, jumping back to Alabama, Nick Saban had said that they're, they get like two days off for the holiday and then they're back at it, so I would yeah. assume most other teams follow that same model. All these bowl games are just uh, – the bowl game slate this year, honestly, is not great, in my opinion. It's, it's kind of it's kind of trash. There were and, a couple that had some good uh, potential, like, well, Oregon and Oklahoma and, you know, a couple of the New Year's ones. But outside of that, it's like none of them I really think, are – I think we got a lot of good name games. Like, just looking at the slate um, – Boston Carolina eat or Boston College Eastern Carolina, that could be interesting. My, uh, as an Alabama native, I'm excited for the Birmingham Bowl, even though it is little brother Auburn playing in it. I'm not gonna say that Auburn's gonna do well, 
However, this is kind of a proven. Yeah, well, I I 100% (laughs) agree. This is kind of a prove it game for the uh, G5. I mean, obviously, you know, the big stage is going to be Alabama versus Cincinnati, which, I mean, we all know who we're going for in that game. But, I mean, you got an 11 and 2 Houston team going up against a 6 and 6 SEC team. If that's not a prove yeah. it game for the G five, I don't know what is. That really was a slap in the face to Houston. Yeah, I mean, Houston's was. eleven and two ranked, and they I mean, said one of their losses was to Cincinnati, the, wasn't it? Yeah, one of their they losses lost to Cincinnati the conference championship to Cincy. Yeah, 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 and they got fed the bottom of the bowl. You know, five hundred. But they almost beat Alabama. But they almost beat Alabama by two points, you know. It was close. Still won, though. Yeah. Still won, though. though. Uh, I say, going back to just the bowl slate, honestly, personally, one of my favorite matchups, the first time I looked at this slate, my favorite matchup I see, which I... Whoever made this bowl slate and like proposed this bowl game, whoever proposed it and whoever approved it, I hope they have nothing but hap- – I hope their pillow is cool every night they go to sleep. I hope they are happy for the rest of their days. Whoever suggested Texas Tech versus Mississippi State with Michael yes. Leach as the head coach, yes. I wish nothing but good things for you, my good sir or man, yes. whoever you are. I that is honestly, the, like I said, uh, you want to talk about like here. tickling your fancy. That is my favorite, like non-New Year's Six Bowl matchup that I have seen so far. I think that one and just the laughing stock bowl of Florida and UCF are the two biggest God. ones that I'm gonna be oh watching outside of the New Year's Six. I forgot about that. One. Bad matchup. <laughs> I think UCF is so bad. I really do. Yeah. Can we talk about I mean, I I don't know how much y'all covered it in the last episode, but Clemson being number nineteen at nine and three with a uh, no, seven and not five Clemson season. We have not talked about Clemson at all on the podcast, and I would love to talk about the death. I too of Dabo. would love to talk about not even the death of Dabo. It's their air quote dynasty. They were crowned. I mean, after what two natties in five years, they were crowned the next dynasty in college football. They yeah, were those we the, the ultimate, the ultimate rival for Alabama, and here they are. We were making which like, every time that matchup was drawn up. There was a new hype big Bama Clemson part, whatever, bro. Yeah, I mean, it truly was what. Two natties in five years. It was 2016, so game played in 17, and then 2019, the 2019 game where, you know, Trevor Lawrence, fourth string quarterback or cornerback. Yeah. Shout out Savion Smith. Yeah, I'd say the, uh, the one thing that I will still say about that game is that. They didn't have to prepare for a game. Like, I think it came out. Like, one of their staffers said they only spent, like, a week preparing for Notre Dame, and they spent the rest of their time preparing for Bama, whereas we had Oklahoma. I'm not a staffer. That was, that was Christian Wilkins. 
that was said it, that. I didn't. No, no, no. As a Dolphins fan, I don't think it was Wilkins. None? I think it was like a grad assistant yeah. or something. It, it wasn't anyone relevant. Like it was a grad assistant or something like that. I remember. No, I could have sworn it was Christian was Wilkins. It? Well, everyone Christian Wilkins to... was the one who. Well, because Wilkins is the one who did the split after the game and everything, which while we're on that topic, let me just uh, pull up here real quick. My favorite Tua quote from today in his uh, press conference said, Tua is from uh, Marcel Louis Jacques, who is a recent transfer. He covered the Bills for a while and he just came down to South Beach this year. But he said, Tua mentions getting to play at the Superdome during Alabama's win over Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. Quote, we all remember what happened there, right, Christian? End quote. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love Tua, but um, never forget. Never forget that uh, 2018 beatdown of Kelly Bryant. But yeah, I mean to to get back to the original point, you know, Clemson's downfall has been so pronounced; it's ridiculous. I mean. I, I don't want to steal all the talking points, but it really just goes to show the way that Saban has reloaded, revamped, and redone everything he is about to stay relevant in college football. It's just truly amazing. I mean, Dabo couldn't even do it for six years now, and Saban's been doing it for 14. Well, I mean, I mean like, I, this was supposed to be this, next year. This was supposed to be like an off year. For Alabama, like this is supposed to be like yeah. a reload year. Like we're supposed, yep. we we weren't supposed to, you know, make it all the way. You know, we were supposed still supposed to be good, but not make it all the way. And then we were supposed to, you know, be back next year. But this year was Clemson's year. You know, they had like the Heisman favorite. They were going to go all the way. They were going to win it all. And obviously, none of those things played out the way they were supposed to. And now all of a sudden, Clemson's dead. Like they've lost yeah, their defensive like, coordinator that they've touted for, you know, the past six years. You know, he's DC, been lost you know, the A, lost the DC, lost the AD, lost the OC. I forgot uh, about the AD. Man. Yeah, I mean, like AD basically everyone has left because they've read the writing on the wall. And oh my lord! Now Dabo's sitting there preaching about NIL and about how he he's been preaching this from day one about how you know. This was he knew this was going to happen and all that stuff. Uh, I love. I think it's Nick Perkins on Twitter brings it up every once in a while, or whoever brings it up. They talk about you know the old quote from Dabo of, "Well, I think I might have to move on to something else if you know payers get, <laughs> players are getting paid." And everyone like quote tweets every once in a while like, "You gonna leave? You gonna leave?" <laughs> I just and, like, uh, yeah. I just this is supposed I've, to be Clemson's year. I saw going back to this is supposed to be Clem, this was supposed to be Clemson's year. I think uh, Clint Lamb tweeted out that in Alabama's biggest quote unquote down year since arguably 2010, we have had a 4,000 yard passer, a thousand yard rusher, and 2,000 yard receivers for the first time I, in school history. That's how I remember that tweet. Yeah, it was what? Jamo, Mechie. Jamo, Mechie, B Rob, and, and obviously Bryson. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that tweet. So just circling back for a second, I had to go look it up. I knew DJ Uyungalele was, you know, not ideal for Clemson this year. I didn't realize he was 
54% completion for 2,000 yards and nine touchdowns and nine interceptions bad. Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah, I mean, like, as a five-star guy coming in, you know, one of my favorite videos that goes viral every once in a while is, uh, or at least this season, was Dabo, and I can dig it up and send it to y'all, but was Dabo sitting on, you know, Clemson's private jet recruiting DJ Uingalele, and they're, like, flying over the stadium, and him, like, pointing down going, see that? That's where you'd be throwing all those touchdown passes down there, or something yeah. along those lines. And then, you know, people will do the uh, curb your enthusiasm, da, 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 and they'll do whatever. <laughs> and then it's like, it just, pop, like, his stats just, like, fade in from black of how bad they are. But, so I knew, I knew he was bad. I didn't realize he was that bad, though. Yeah, he was, he was pretty rough, which I'm very surprised by, considering how he looked in his Trevor Lawrence replacement game the year before. I just now got it pulled up. He was 29 to 44, not great for 439 yards with two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he was going to be the next Clemson I mean, yeah. generational QB. He broke yeah, Deshaun Watson's record. Well, yeah. I I feel like I feel like I mean, now in hindsight we understand, but the first game of the season when they played Georgia and it was what nine to six, ten to three, ten to three. Yeah, or it was like for both teams. Honestly, it it was it, it was should everyone should have been like, yeah, this is what they actually look like because yeah. obviously Clemson not as good as they were originally supposed to be at the beginning of the season. Georgia wins that first game and then for the rest of the season. Who do they play? They play literally nobody until the very end of the season. I mean, I would say, I would argue that their best opponent that they played all season was well, honestly I believe, Tennessee. I'm gonna say I believe the Tennessee, only yeah. ranked team they beat was Clemson. No, 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 no. When they beat them, sorry. When they beat them, they beat Arkansas, Auburn, and Kentucky all while they were ranked. Nope. Yep. You're right. I I just pulled up their schedule. Their yeah. their wins are Clemson. Sorry, I I hadn't actually looked at it in a while. Clemson, UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. So we are at week five before they play a legitimate team. I would say you know hindsight 2020 legitimate team, Arkansas, yeah. which who they broke. I'll, I'll give them that they broke Arkansas. Then Arkansas Auburn. had a lot of injuries during that game, though. Yeah. But then um, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Mizzou, Tennessee, uh, Georgia Tech, and then the big L to Alabama. When are we going to have the discussion that Dabo is absolutely nothing without a generational quarterback? I mean, he's... His quarterbacks in his time at Clemson are Deshaun Watson, who is what? Third overall pick? Something like that? Top five, right? And then Trevor Top Lawrence, ten, number ten. one overall. And then DJ Uangalele, a guy who has to maybe a little rough around the edge and maybe has to develop himself. He fucking sucks. I mean, when are we going to have the conversation? That I mean, Brent Venables has obviously, you know, his defense has always been stellar, but at the same time, he's had two back-to-back generational 
two to three year starter quarterbacks. Like that's enough. That's literally the timeline of Clemson's dynasty is those two generational quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> Nick Saban. Nick Saban has won titles and championships with basically, you know, a game manager. Yeah. Multiple times. I mean, he won it with Greg McElroy. He won it with, I mean, he won it with AJ McCann. I'm about to say, we're about yeah. to slow down. I know you're not about to say Jake Coker because I will not no, accept no, no, no. any Jake Coker slander. Look, yeah, I but love I mean, Jake, I so love Jake Coker as much as anybody ran else. Derek Henry into the ground that year. I agree. Yeah. But I will say, I, my, my hottest take. I think the most, I'm not going to say the most, outside of the national championships, the most impressive thing Nick Saban has won is come one game short of a national championship with a first-year starting quarterback, converted running back in Blake Sims, and a first-year offensive coordinator in Lane Kiffin. In a game we should have won. We should have. If we kept feeding Derrick Henry, we win that game. But I digress. I will still argue if you take the national championships which i mean that's for nick saban that's a big thing to say take the national championship but that's still the most impressive coaching feat i think i've seen is nick saban fall one game short of a national championship with a converted running back at quarterback and a first year offensive coordinator definitely i mean the list of nick saban's accomplishments as a head coach, is long. All right. With that, let's transition back into the NFL. Week 16 key games. I've got six on my list. Um, first I one. I've got one I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> first game that I have <laughs> is the 49ers at the Titans. Uh, 49ers are favored by three and a half on the road. Big game, uh, big playoff occasions. I think the 49ers are a very good football team, and I think they go on the road and they get it done, but I don't think that they cover. What are y'all's thoughts? Hey, Wad, I'll let you take this one because I'm a bit biased here. I think... I think the Titans shock them again. I think the Titans are going to continue to shock people like that. I just I don't I don't trust San Fran. Kyle Shanahan's proved that you know twenty eight to three. You know the Chiefs Super Bowl. Yes, the Niners are hot, but at the same time, I don't trust Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan. Which granted, Tennessee's Tennessee's getting back AJ Brown, their okay. running back duo, while Henry's gone, has been pretty good actually. Yeah, you know, no one's ever had it compared to Derrick Henry. I think one of them is uh oh, what's his name? Like uh, it's Foreman and um. I knew his names that I recognized. It was McNichols. It was McNichols, but I think he got hurt in the last game. Gotcha. Uh, I think Foreman and Peterson are the two right now, and Hilliard three. So, 
Gotcha. Wait, not I mean, Peterson. I, I'm obviously biased. I want the 49ers to lose, but I do agree that this is a very winnable game for both of these teams, especially with Derrick Henry being out. Um, mm-hmm. I give – I honestly, I give the edge slightly to Tennessee with Venables being a – or not Venables, uh, Rabel being a defensive-minded coach. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those watching – I guess you could technically count Vrabel as Belichick tree, but I honestly give the edge to the defensive team. You know, he's – if the offense sucks and they have players out, it's going to be a rough day. But if the defense is missing players, like, you more so have a scheme. Like, you can fit the defensive scheme more to the coach than you can the players, if that makes sense. Like, I give the edge to the defensive-minded coach in these matchups. But – that being said, A.J. Brown being back, I feel like gives Tannehill a huge advantage, especially, I mean, I don't know. I, I give Tennessee the big advantage here. I, I don't know if they cover, but. I was about to say, they, I don't think it's a big win. I think it's like uh, San Fran's got a two-point lead and Tennessee drives down the field. and Kicks a field goal. Yeah, kicks a field goal with four yeah. seconds to go. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I, I can't say anybody covers or, you know, Tennessee covers, but it, it's a tough game. I I think I think 49ers win, but Titans cover. I think it's a close game. Um, I think yeah. it's a low scoring game. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. like 14, 17, you know, something, something along those lines. But I think the 49ers are a very, very good football team. Um, I agree. The Titans, if the Titans were fully healthy, I would say Titans win easily, but they're just not. And I don't know. I, I think 49ers win, but the Titans cover it's a a close game. Um, yeah, that's on a Monday. That's, that's the Monday night game. Um, going into the Sunday slate, the first game that I've got is Colts at the Cardinals. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I say, you, you know where I'm going with this. I, I like the Colts. I do. For me, I, I think the Cardinals bounce back and they play a very good game. They're at home. I know they're only they're they're favored by one point right now. Um, I think the Cardinals win and cover. I still think it's a very Close game, though. I think the Cardinals win by less than a touchdown. I think I'm going to give the Cardinals the edge there as well. Granted, both are domes. But mm-hmm. coming from Indianapolis, you know, it's mid, it's late December now. Coming from that cold Arizona, I don't think ever gets below like 80 degrees. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the heat's going to shock them. I think Arizona's looking for that big bounce back. Uh, A lot of guys are going to try to step up in place of uh, DeAndre Hopkins with him being out the remainder of the season. Yeah. And I think Arizona, like Caleb said, it's going to be a very close game. I think, like you said, less than a touchdown. I'm thinking like four, maybe five. And Arizona will squeak out the win at home. All right. Just because I'm a guest and I got to go different. I'm not going to say they blow them out. However, 
I think Carson Wentz has a game where he go where we all look at it and go, okay, that's why Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate a few years ago. As to what his stat line is, I don't know. I think he goes for at least passes for. At least two nine Colts by five. Respect that. I can, that. I, That's I a good say, bet. I can. I say I can see like ten point game, kick a field goal, try the not even try the onside kick level, but like trust your defense kind of stuff. It doesn't work out. You know they run the clock out, win by seven. You know that kind of yeah. thing. I think but that this I, is going to be a, like, as far as, like, over-under-wise, I think it's going to plus 45-point game. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think each team is going to score at least 21 points. You know, it might get into I the 30s 30, for one. So yeah. I see 30-24. Easy. Which is I which is weird because the Colts' defense is playing extremely well right now. But even with yeah. D-Hop, the Cardinals' offense is absolutely electric. I mean, they yeah, have a couple rookies on their squad that are playing out of their minds right now. Yeah. And James Conner is completely is a completely different running back than he was in Pittsburgh. That dude is a monster. Mm. Mm. I hard disagree, but that's more so as a Dolphins free agent possible perspective next year. We can talk about that later, but I, I disagree. I think – just real quick, I think James Conner is boosted by getting a lot of goal line carries. I think he is a good running back. I think he's better than anyone the Dolphins have right now, but he is not the future. I really think he's boosted by having a lot of goal line carries. Anyways. As a James Conner fantasy manager, I'm cool with him getting <laughs> goal line carries. Oh, I, I'm sure you are. That's but six as a, points every at – le- that's a guaranteed six every week. But as a, uh, as a battered Dolphins fan who has watched us sign multiple free agents, see Will Fuller as big names to not work out, yeah, I'm, I'm – hesitant on James Conner. Anyways, back to the uh, back to the slate. What do we got next? We got uh... Yeah, I got Bills and Patriots as the next one. Uh, that's going to be that's probably the game other than the, the Cardinals other than the Colts and the Cardinals, that's probably my favorite game of the week. Uh, Bills are go to New England. Uh, the Pats are favored by two and a half. Um, it's an interesting game. A, uh, that, I'm biased because uh, if the Bills win this game, they win the AFC East. And the Bills winning the AFC East is the best possible scenario for the Dolphins' playoff picture because then we have a chance to sweep the Patriots in the season series. So I'm slightly biased here. I'm going to go Bills. I do think – see, it's in Orchard Park. No, it's in uh, New England, right? Yes, it's at, at New England. Yeah, it's in it's at See, the Patriots. At New England, I think is a big factor for that. I honestly, as much as I hate to say it, as much as I want the Bills to win, I see this being Max air quote coming out party. After the last game where, you know, they he passed three times, they ran for however many hundreds of yards, they did whatever to win. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see this being Matt goes for like 
63% completion for like 200 something yards and three touchdowns. I I honestly see this being kind of a dick on the table like we are still the Patriots like kind of game. Oh, we're going to have a stifling defense, an offense that does enough and then chews clock and then suffocates you kind of thing. Yeah, I it's such a tough matchup for me because they're both cold weather teams, obviously, like they both play well in the cold. Uh, I'm looking at the weather and it's like 40 degrees, I think, and overcast. I don't think it's supposed to like snow or rain or anything. So (sighs) Patriots are favored by two and a half. I think they win. And they cover. I think they win by more than two and a half. Like, I think they win by more than a field goal. Um, Just because they had a, you know, they lost, they had a bad loss to Indy last week. You know, Max, Max going to be, you know, in his killer mode. He he does not like losing at all. That's been very, that's been made very clear from the beginning. And I think the Pats get it done. Their defense is lights out. Uh, the Bills have been so hit or miss on offseason. One minute they're they look like they did last year. The next minute they look like they couldn't move. They can't move the ball against the Jags, which a team that beat them earlier in the year. So, um, yeah, I think the Pats win. Thinking it over, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Patriots take this one as well. This is going to be the Matt Jones, you know, remember why I'm, remember why I was a Heisman finalist. Remember why I'm mm-hmm. the leader for offensive rookie of the year. This is going to be the Mac Jones coming out game. Now, New England will not win the division correct with a win. They still have to pull against Miami. Right. Uh, I, that's the thing. I haven't looked that far ahead. I do know that if Buffalo wins the division, my, that's the best chance for Miami to make the playoffs. I don't think Miami has a chance at the division because we have two losses to the Bills. So I think if the Pats win, the Bills would still finish ahead of us. New England has the chance to clinch the division title with a win over Buffalo and the Miami loss to the Saints. Miami already holds one victory. Yeah, let's say that if we sweep the season again, yeah, okay, but yeah, it's actually news to me. If we beat, I mean, we have to win out. See, that's kind of my thing is all I've been focused on is Miami winning out. I have been focused on division titles or anything. I've been strictly thinking about just us beating the Saints, the Titans, and the Patriots. So. Yeah, yeah. But I think this is the Mac Jones coming out game. This is also going to be a big game for whoever they choose to have as their starting running back this week. It seems Harrison Stevenson can interchange. I say, as as someone who follows the AFC East, I think Judon has a big game. I think so also, too. I I think Judon has been kind of, you know. They're relevant 
talked about, but not like the centerpiece. I think this is also Judon's coming out game on on the defensive side. I think, yeah, I can see that. I also think the Patriots, looking at stats here, this will be the first game this season they'll have a receiver over 100 yards passing, or receiving, I mean. Yeah. They don't have a single guy who's had 100 yards a game yet. Their closest was Bourne and Myers. Both have had 98. Hmm. Yeah, I got Patriots by, I'm going to say pretty handedly. I think double digits. Patriots take this one. Ooh. Double digits. Full strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Speaking of blowouts, the next one, the next game that I have on the slate is the Rams at the Vikings. The Rams are favored by three on the road in Minnesota. I think the Rams go in there and beat the brakes off of them. I, if really? I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Kirk Cousins, again, I'm I'm always kind of a contrarian when it comes to the NFL. I feel like Kirk Cousins has had so many bad games in a row, especially the absolutely atrocious, there's no better way to put it, atrocious interception he had last week. I feel like this purely a trap for Kirk Cousins to be like 60-something percent completion. Two touchdowns, one interception, and they win by like four. So you got the Vikings winning. I do. I also feel like this is going to be kind of a weird like Rams off day. Cooper Cup, I saw today, I think it was Pat McAfee may have been talking about it, that Cooper Cup is like 200-something yards away from Calvin Johnson's all-time season record for receiving yards. You know, there'd be an asterisk because of 17 games, but they're like, he still has two games to do it in 16 games. So I feel like this is kind of, I don't know. In my mind, this is a trap game. This is Cooper Cup gets shut down. Sony Michelle gets, you know, Sony Michelle is Sony Michelle. He's a good running back, but he's not a great running back. And I mean, obviously, Robert Woods is still out. Odo Beckham is, you know, has a good game. But I don't know. All signs for me point to Vikings winning this game by, like, four. Yeah. My question is to you, though, is, like, who on the Vikings is shutting down Cooper Cup? The Vikings secondary is mediocre at best. I, I agree. But also, just for some reason, in my brain, that's why I'm like, but this is exactly why Cooper Cup is going to get shut down. Like, no one should be able to shut down Cooper Cup. But, like, I mean, Cooper Cup has had stretches this year, I guess, not even from a fantasy owner's perspective, not even Cooper Cup, but Matt Stafford has just had games where you just go, what the fuck, Matt Stafford? Like, he's had stretches where you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you just can't really explain it. And, like I said, that that's kind of my hot take is I could see – I'm not – I don't want to say I predict it. I guess I will. But I'm going to go like Vikings plus four, easy, if not outright. Interesting. I just – All right. I feel, like it's a, I feel like it's a trap game for the Rams. Like they've been on such a heater. They've been so good. Like, I don't know. I – 
I honestly feel like Kirk Cousins is the like definition of trap game quarterback. Like this feels like a Kirk Cousins trap game for me. As the resident Packers fan, I hope Minnesota loses everything ever. <laughs> I love. It. I hope they lose their car keys when they're late for work. I hope they lose their balance at a sobriety test. I hope they lose every football game they ever play in. Back to the original point. I I do think at this point in the season, given what we know with the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks being the big thing is Kirk Cousins is not as mobile as Tua, and I think he's going to get sacked a lot more, which is why I still can't. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna step back my take. I still like Vikings like plus four with an outright win. But their O-line has looked terrible. I respect it. I can't agree with you. I think I think Ramsey shuts down Justin Jefferson. He's on a tear again this season, but I think Ramsey tells him to take a seat. I think, there. you know, Donald and Von Miller are going to eat Kirk Cousins' lunch. Fair. And, you know... Yes, Matthew Stafford does have some what-are-you-doing moments, but at the end of the day, he was the one bright spot in Detroit, and it's the Vikings. He played the Vikings twice a year for however long. Yep. So I think think he'll pull out some stops. You know, he knows the Vikings. He knows Mike Zimmer very well, and he and Sean McVay are going to cook up something weird. You – you could see a freaky trick play here where Odell's tossing touchdowns. Let's go. Okay, so the next game that we have slate, uh, I think this is going to be a very good game. Um, depending on who starts, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter who starts a QB because Huntley has proved to be very good replacement, if not I would say a eight. starting yeah. QB. The Ravens at the Bengals. Um, the Bengals are favored by two and a half at home versus the Ravens. Um, I still haven't seen anything whether or not Lamar is going to be back. I would assume that he is going to be playing. Um, was Lamar out for COVID? Was that it? No, no. Lamar was out for he an ankle an injury. Ankle he suffered an ankle sprain in the loss against, uh, I guess, Cleveland it was. I figure I figured he would be back because he was kind of a game time decision this past week, anyways. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very good matchup. Um, the Ravens. I mean, how are the like the the fact that the Ravens are still winning football games is mind blowing to me. They lost basically their top three running backs before the season even started. They don't have. They really don't have a wide receiving core. Like. Marquise Brown is either really good or he drops everything that's thrown his way. They basically only have Mark Andrews. And for some reason, they still find a way in football games. And I think it's just because Lamar Jackson is an absolute wizard when it comes to creating something out of nothing. Um, But for me, I think the Bengals are hot. Um, Joey Burrow is playing great. Obviously, Jamar Chase is arguably probably going to win. Uh, 
rookie of the year or maybe offensive player of the year. Um, I can see that. I think Ravens keep it close, but I Bengals are favored by two and a half. I think the Bengals win at home. Um, I think this. I think it's less than a touchdown, but more than a field goal. So I, I, I say agree. Bengals cover, and they win. Um, I agree. But I think uh, I think it's more of like a, a comeback win. I think the Ravens get a little jump out ahead, and then the Bengals kind of kind of get it all together at the end of the end it's of the game and come back three, and win. Kind of a ten three, you know. Maybe 13-10 halftime kind of Bengals surge kind of thing. See, for me, I see it higher um, just because both offenses are have the – I mean, they're both extremely explosive. Um, yeah. I, I was thinking more like, you know, like 17 to 21 at half and then – Okay. But – that's me. I mean, y'all, you guys can tell me what you think. I mean, I I always lean lower scoring in NFL games just because that's what I've been more accustomed to. I don't think your prediction is that far-fetched. I mean, I think it's very, very realistic for the two offenses we're dealing with. I think the wild card is just TJ Huntley versus Lamar Jackson is about who's starting for the Ravens. Yeah, I agree. Even though Huntley has really proven himself over the past two weeks, dude has played out of his mind. But I think that I think that a team, maybe the Panthers or someone else, a different team that's really desperate for a good QB, might try and go get him in the off season. Um, you know, if they can't get a good QB out of the draft, which is unlikely because there's so few in the draft this year. Yeah, like um, we said earlier, I mean, there's so few quarterback needy teams. You can almost, I'm not going to say name your price, but I mean, you can go get whoever you want. I could definitely see Huntley starting for a different team next year, though. You know. Oh, I agree. Uh, I, think I, I think it's a, a very big possibility. At this point, I could see Seattle. I mean, if if Russ goes to Denver, like it's kind of like I said alluded to earlier and it's kind of gaining steam whatever if russ for some reason leaves seattle and seattle has you know a late first round pick i could see them getting huntley well saving best for last for you riley uh the monday night game that we have this week is dolphins at saints saints are favored by three points at home um Dolphins are hot. They're playing good. I mean, the offense is a little spotty, which is kind of concerning going into New Orleans where, you know, the Saints just shut out Tom Brady and the Bucks. So, I mean, that's a tough game. Um, obviously, if Waddle's back, that definitely helps Miami's case. He should. Um, which I... I'm gonna say, I know this He's been activated from COVID yeah. list. So. I say, I, my biggest thing is I saw today, which I could be wrong. I haven't fact-checked this in a few hours, but I thought I saw today that it was Taysom Hill to the COVID list. Which, if that happens, 
I do not care who the Saints start at quarterback short of Drew Brees walking out on that field Monday night. I like the blitz-happy defense of the Dolphins to overcome any kind of shortcomings the offense will have. I'm going to agree with you. I think think the Dolphins go in and get it done. The Saints are favored. They're favored by three. I think the Dolphins cover. Um, it's going to be a tough game, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Dolphins cover the three point spread, and they they walk out with the dub in New Orleans. I just searched uh, Taysom Hill COVID on Twitter, and one of the top responses is Taysom Hill is as accurate as a rapid COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, even then. I think the Saints' defense is the biggest X factor. I feel like the Dolphins' defense has kind of established themselves as, you know, blitz-happy, good safeties between Eric Rowe and Javon Holland. Then, you know, obviously the lockdown corners with uh, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, as we talked about a minute ago. I think the biggest – like I said, I think the biggest question is going to be the Saints' defense against Tua. Because, I mean – the Dolphins, to their credit, have shown they can adapt their offense. Like early in the year, you saw a lot of run-heavy sets with two tight ends, one back, you know, very pro-style traditional, which obviously we didn't have the running backs to run all that, but we stuck to it. Then as we moved on to Jacoby Brissett, we moved more to kind of timing-based stuff. And then obviously when Tua came back, we moved to a lot more RPO, stretch the field with Waddle kind of stuff so if their d-line can get a lot of pressure which isn't saying much because Tua has been one of the quickest release quarterbacks in the nfl this year i mean i don't know i i could see it going either way i obviously i'm gonna go with the homer pick i'm gonna say dolphins outright by four i could see being like 31 24 not, you know, not electric, no defense kind of stuff, but I I definitely see Dolphins pulling it out and extending the winning streak to seven. I think the Dolph- this is definitely a massive test for the Dolphins, but I think pulling out wins against, you know, a Baltimore where two is coming in for Brissett after the – what mm-hmm. seemed to be the phantom thumb injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, smoking Carolina and then struggling against New York for a while there. I think the Dolphins have proven they can win these tight contests. Again, New England week one. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see a very tight contest, a very defensive-oriented battle. If the Dolphins' offensive line doesn't get to a absolutely slaughtered, True. With, you know, Cam Jordan coming at him. Yeah. Which see that that's my that's my biggest concern. But like you said, I just looked up to his uh release time and it's point three three seconds, which is one of, if not the fastest. I think there's maybe only one or two QBs who are faster and yep. they're currently, you know, Aaron Rodgers. So Yeah, no, I I must say, I, I was going to pull out that stat that I knew you were going to like, is that Tua's average release time, I believe, is 
Yeah, 2.33, and he was like third, like top five. I think he was third in the league. It was like behind Aaron Rodgers and someone else for like fastest release. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like Aaron Rodgers and then the only other quarterback who had like about as bad of an O-line as Tua who, you know, didn't really count. But like, you know, it was one of those – it was one of the, I remember it was one of those highly contested stats in Dolphins Twitter. They were like, well, you have one very good quarterback who, you know, can get the ball out because he has the option to. And then one quarterback who doesn't have the option who just sucks. And it was, yeah, yeah it, it, it was a thing. But anyway, but yeah, I think, yeah. No, 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 you're good. I think as long as Tua, you know, understands, hey, this defensive line is going to come at you. You know, you, you take a couple shots here, but, you know, if you can stand in the pocket, get the ball to Waddle, get the ball to Parker, I think you'll see a very heavy defensive contest with, especially with the Saints having Taysom Hill at quarterback. Yes. And I think you'll see a lower scoring game. I could see it ending up being like a 2017 deal okay with the dolphins extending the streak to seven okay i like the outcomes you know that's that's all i really care about <laughs> i'm also slightly afraid to pick against the dolphins because two and on will come after me two and on will two and on sortie and ghost of adam gaze will indeed come after you they are relentless what are the odds we get two and on on the podcast with the, oh. with the with the voice changer and everything, please. Ah, uh, give me <laughs> give me give me, a, give me a few Twitter messages. I I know people of people. I'm not like that in the Dolphin Twitter, but I'm like like Josh Houts. I don't know if you've seen him on Dolphin Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like I've sent him a few DMs back and forth, and like like we we've talked a little bit. Like I said, I'm not gonna say a lot, but you know, if and when the Dolphins make the playoffs, we have to make this happen. All right, everyone. Well, I think that's about all we have for this week's episode. Riley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. We had a lot of fun talking to you. I say thanks for having me. And they say it was hope you had me back. Hope I didn't talk too much about the Dolphins. I want to love and joy. Well, everyone, we will see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. Wyatt, talk to you later, buddy. Talk to y'all. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't be afraid to tell a friend to check us out. The podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. New episodes drop every Thursday. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week.